old layman Pang said, chopping wood and carrying water is my magic. Over here these days, cooking meals, preparing the ground, repotting plants and carrying canopy is our magic. Well, good noon time and welcome in from the 10 directions, those participating via internet and uh, the hardy ones who just made it live here. <laughs> uh, I think most of you may have been exposed at least a little to the Diamond Sutra. It's pretty mysterious uh, in lots of ways. And, and yet, a lot of times people say, what is in the first section is the most important. And the first section is pretty, pretty ordinary. So let me read that section to you. Thus have I heard upon a time, Buddha sojourned in Anapandika's park by Shravasti with a great company of bhikkhus, maybe 1,250. One day at the time for breaking fast, the world honored one enrobed and carrying his bowl made his way into the great city of Sravasti to beg for his food. In the midst of the city, he begged from door to door according to rule. This done, he returned to his retreat and took his meal. When he'd finished, he put away his robe and begging bowl, washed his feet, arranged his seat, and sat down. washed his feet, arranged his seat, and sat down. We've been doing that thing throughout. While we sit, we're arranging our seat, sitting down. So, the everyday life, the ordinary becomes the extraordinary. Yet, we think it's somewhere else. We think it's somewhere else. So, a little more. When the Buddha first began to teach uh, a magical deity, visited him in the night and asked this question. The inner tangle and the outer tangle. This generation is entangled in a tangle. So I ask you, who succeeds in untangling the tangle? So we get the Buddha's teaching about the ordinary. And then this question to the Buddha. I think we all 
have our own version of the tangle and the world too. The Buddha's answer to the tangle one was simple and direct. The one who sits down in the middle of his or her life and looks with attention, calm and resolute, has a chance to untangle the tangle and to relieve suffering. This does not mean that oversimplifying is the way or even strict rules and regulations is, are the answer. If you remember the little story about the wheelwright, where, let me get my notes. Um, as the wheelwright said, not going slowly or quickly, I find it in my hands and accord with it in my mind. I find it in my hands and accord with it in my mind. Also, just about the ordinary. And it's interesting because maybe that seems mysterious to you, but as I watched during the Young Men Junction, I watched it happening in a lot of places, especially at the meal table, as people put their cup down, use their spoon. There were just so many examples of feeling it with the hands, not going slip, going too fast, too slow, and according with it in the mind. So we have this opportunity for this ordinary wonder all the time. I like to look at um, another Zen master, um, uh, Master uh, Layman Pang was Chinese tradition, which we inherited for our tradition, our Korean tradition. And then Dogen gives us a lot of really good um, wisdom in his about ordinary life practice in his instructions to the cook. One of the things that is, is very visceral to me is a phrase, he said, take care of the possessions of the Sangha as if they were your own eyeballs. Visceral because I can't even imagine taking care of my own eyeballs. It just feels like the most difficult thing to do. And this is some, the Sangha is not just the Sangha in our formal way here, here we are and uh, our Sangha friends and this community here, but it's really the Sangha of all things and all beings. So it's like the way of Bodhisattva, it's a big job taking care of the possessions of the Sangha as if they were your own eyeballs. The next thing 
that Dogen pointed out when he was talking about working in the kitchen, but it applies in many places. Um, the pots and pans cry out when they're used roughly. That's an interesting one. They really do when we're just banging around in the kitchen when we need to get the eyeball practice a little bit with that. And then in that same teaching, Dogen said, even the hedgerows teach the Dharma. That means outside the rows of hedges between fields teach the Dharma. Here's where the wheat is. Here's where the oats grow. Here's my property. Here's their property. So in a certain sense, showing how in a beautiful way boundaries can be made. I remember many, many years ago, one of my very first uh, Youngman Junctions uh, at 46 Quinn Avenue, and we were young and enthusiastic, so that because that was a long time ago. And when we would go for interviews, we would go out the back door of the meditation room, and then there would be these stairs that would go up to the next floor where the interview room was. And when Sunam rang the bell, there was this kind of a, for an interview, this kind of running to the door, opening it, slamming it, and then up the, up the stairs, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so everybody knew when somebody was going for an interview, like big time. So that continued the whole, um, the whole uh, Youngman Junction. And then at the end, he sat us down and he had each of us go to the door and go up the stairs. And could we do it a little more quietly than we had? And it was a very interesting practice because we thought it was, you know, it, our practice was to almost be as noisy as possible, to slam the door and really run up the steps. There was one guy we thought, I think he really, I think he flew up the steps. <laughs> he, he, he was Gosov, he went so, Ilsham was his name. He's a chocolate maker these days. Uh, he just was so fast. And everybody clapped when he would go up. <laughs> so it was quite an uproar, those young men Jungjins. Um, and then each of us having to then open the door and close it very quietly. And then go up the stairs fast, but not so loudly, not like a herd of elephants kind of thing. And hardly anybody could do it. Hardly anybody. He kept saying, my name was Sukha then. Okay, Sukha, try it again. <laughs> okay, try it again. It was kind of humiliating when some people could get it and I could hardly get it at all. That's why when I hear banging in the bathroom, you know that, have you tried um, the bathroom door? It just doesn't open and close very quietly. And so it almost slams. And that garbage can in the ba bathroom, when it closes, it always goes bang. So I know when somebody's in there because I can usually hear the door right here and the garbage can go bang. And I do it myself. 
especially the bang of the garbage can, because I forget. I have to actually just put it carefully down. It's much more special than actually. If I run around, I miss a lot of opportunities. So you all know that we have a banging door before we can get into the interview too. And sometimes I remember what Sunam said, try again, try it again, because it slows us down. And we see the preciousness of even opening the door and even shutting a garbage can. Woohoo! <laughs> no, somehow we think something else is important and we miss our life. Everything counts. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Layman Pang. And you know, his whole family was involved in practice, his wife and uh, his daughter. And they really simplified their life together so they could uh, practice more. And uh, there was, there's a, a little koan or a little uh, Zen question challenge that he put to his family. And he said, what if I throw five pounds of septony seeds on the tree and try to gather them? And he said, he answered himself, difficult, difficult. And his wife said, easy, easy. It's like just getting out of bed in the morning. And his daughter said, neither easy or difficult. It's like just moving your pillow so it's just right in the night. Well, how do you get to the stage where it's neither easy nor difficult? It's just natural. That's what we're here to work with. Yeah. And it's a case of doing our practice on the mat and cushion. And it's also like 99% of the time, mostly, our everyday life. How can it just, this untangling, neither easy nor difficult, just this, just here, just now. And over and over again, and yet again. Fresh in each very moment. Practice and you shine. Shut the garbage pan quietly and you shine. Amen. 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 <laughs> okay. So we have like a 40 more minutes of practice. So it's really important to set yourself kind of an intention. Um, and I have uh, just one more story that I've told some of you. But, you know, inevitably, when we sit down, something comes up. And all it's like the flies all come in <laughs> to buzz around. 
and I was telling, I think Saran this story this morning. She, it was, it is about, there was this young novice monk and he was determined to uh, work with his meditation practice. And um, so he set out to find a teacher and find a, a monastery. He had been given the precepts and he'd done some basic training at his home place, but he was going off traveling. And uh, he was uh, very determined, but in the midst of that determination, someone slipped him a letter. This is a letter from your home monastery. And he read it and it said that his home monastery had been burned down, was had burned down. Whoa. And he just took the letter and he dropped it on the ground and said, I'm not going to let that muddle my mind. So here was like, it would seem to be the most horrendous thing that could happen, you know, especially if you love your temple and it burned down. And he said, I not going to let that muddle my mind. I must keep with my practice. So we all have versions of that. It isn't that we don't take care of things at all. We do. But when we're doing our meditation and we're in the midst of just shutting the garbage can, we just do that. And when we turn to be of assistance in resurrecting the monastery, well, then we do that. But we don't let all the stuff in the 10 directions muddle our mind. A. 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 Yeah. All right.